0: So um, I'm going to hand over to Mark and um, and Justin. You can stand as well. For people who don't see you, just stand and turn around. You can do a curtsy and all those things exactly. So good to have you guys. Um, so mark's gonna take this one i'll hand over to mark but i think i just want to say thank you for giving of your time Um, i know that you've got three boys who you shuttle out to different places and i know that you have a busy schedule and we just so appreciate you being part of the family and so thank you for your friendship and your wisdom and uh, I'm, i'm i'm really excited what god god has so mark over to you thank you welcome mark and justine it's really amazing to be here uh we've been friends with craig and sarah for a little bit and heard some of their journey to uh planting this church and uh seeing some of the pictures the videos etc we meet in a school hall ourselves and so we identify with what you guys are doing here there's wonderful things that happen in school halls right not just education Uh, so a huge pats off salute to you guys that have led the team here And uh, thank you for coming out this weekend. We really do appreciate it. Uh, It's wonderful when the people of God get together. I wanted to, just before I get into what I'm going to share, just comment on one or two things. The first thing is this one-year celebration. I've been really praying and saying, God, what does one year signify for this church? And I've been landed in Acts chapter 11, uh, where the church in Antioch, it's a new church. They persecuted believers that have been on the run They've held to their convictions. They haven't wilted under pressure. And they arrive in this new city, new town, and they congregate together. And there's this church. And Paul and Barnabas end up there for a whole year teaching and training the church and establishing it. And at the year mark, it says the Holy Spirit said to the believers, they were praying and fasting, and said, Set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, to do the work that I've called them to. And they sent them out. And the picture I have for Hope Church is that. Uh, the year that's gone by it's been fantastic you might have said we finally found church but i, I want to say this is actually the year that's gone be behind you it's like a, a a toddler's bike that's had training wheels on it and god's taking the training wheels off and he's upgrading the bike to be this rugged robust mountain bike and i, I want to encourage you with that uh, let, let's not settle let's not uh you know build altars in the sand that we bow down to and we remember the The glory of this last year actually god's got so much more for you and uh, let this church grow let this church advance uh push yourself in in, increase in in number uh increase in leadership increase in what you uh, put in here Uh, the other picture i had for for you guys is is the picture of of a shepherd that's been leading sheep and and craig and sarah have been leading out in front and you know sheep they're interesting eh? They what do they say about sheep? Sheep, are, I won't say what they say about sheep, but sheep are sheep, right? And so sheep need a shepherd, and um, sheep they do their own thing at times, and they wander, and you know they need pasture, they need help, and uh, sometimes they they bite each other and and and, but they need a shepherd. But the picture I've had of of Craig and Sarah is that they've been good, faithful shepherds that have been doing their best to lead this flock of sheep. Uh, but the 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 upgrade that I feel God doing for you and it's so unfortunate because it's got something to do with the all-black hacker and the all Blacks have, <laughs> have just lost i was hoping it wouldn't be this but uh, humor me for a moment if you're not a rugby lover the all-black hacker is, is like this fearsome war cry that they give at the beginning of a match they look like they honestly i don't know they, they, it doesn't look like they've got any bone of godliness in them when they do this cry uh, they're actually gentlemen apparently but the, the amazing thing about the, the war cry, you're you going you to have a look at it, but they, they form up in this triangle, and generally it's got the captain at the front, but the thing that was striking me was this little guy by the name of Aaron Smith, he's the number nine, he's the scrum off, and he's the guy that screams out these, I don't know what it is, it looks like verbal abuse, but he's walking up and down doing his thing while they're all on their knees, and then they get up and they do this chant together. And the, the history behind that is why does he do it and not the captain? It's because he's the most senior Maori in the team. And I felt like God saying to this church is that he's going to raise up men and women that are not Craig and Sarah. They're still captain, they're head of the, the triangle and they, they're counting the cost and they're leading, yes. But there are going to be others that are going to rise up and they're going to uh, echo out that battle cry. And I want to speak to you, if you mature in your faith, you've been serving God for many years, you've got caps behind your name. Now's not a time to sit back. Now's not a time to sit down. Actually, you need to be leading the chant. And so, the upgrade that I feel for your church is that it's going to be like a uniting of this warrior spirit within this church that, that charges forward and does a bit better than the All Blacks. How's that? Okay. So, I'll tell you what I'm going to do this morning just for a few minutes. I must put my clock on here. Uh, Craig asked me to speak a little bit around my my story and uh, I'll do that and I just want to say this maybe in the prelim uh, I've had some health issues that some of you know about some of you don't and that's okay uh, but I'll I'll share my story I do want to say this though the thing that you face in your life is a battle I think it is a battleground this thing called life and uh, just because I face my thing doesn't mean it's any more weighty or has any more gravity than what you're facing in life and so I just want to extend that out to you to say uh, we care and we get it it's not altogether easy what you're going through but this is where I'm going today my topic I've called perfect plan and perfect timing Uh, have you ever been in a place where you feel like you're losing control yes are there any control freaks out there my wife should put her hand up right now Okay, there's a few of you. Some blokes, you control freaks as well. Okay, I I mean, I I was thinking of a humorous little story. I was on the way to school the one day with my boys, and I hear my son saying to uh, his brother, hey, dude, uh, I forgot my gum guard. Can I use yours? I'm like, that's not cool. (laughs) That is so not cool. When I pick him up from school, he's got a gum guard. And his brother had said to him, not a chance. You're not using my gum guard. So as they coming out of school, he's got a gum god. I said, what on earth? He said, no, I got one from my friend. I mean, that, that's just how things can unravel as a parent when you're losing control. We were, on a, we were on a trip once and I said to my son, you can use 20 bucks to get a little gift for someone. I see the, the amount go off. I think it was like 420 bucks. I'm like, what on earth? That's taking advantage of a parent that's not there. The boy was walking through the shop. And just knocked over this porcelain bunny and it just cracked and away it went. You know, as parents, you you pay the price of your kids' mistakes, right? And it doesn't end just there. But losing control, it's a a real deal uh, for for many of us. I'd like to say this, that uh, losing control isn't something that happens to one or two select few. Uh, It's coming our way. We just don't know when. And it's paper thin, that line between living with control here and the other side of it. Uh, It comes without warning often. It leaves us on our back. It leaves our faith with questions. Uh, It leaves us in a a state. And so my story is such, when I was 30 years old, we had two kids. Uh, They were, I think, under the age of two. And I had a a mole on the back of my neck. I woke up in the morning, there's a dot of blood on the pillow. And I went, I was officiating a funeral, and the a guy I met with, I said, H- "How did your spouse or that person pass away?" And he said, "No, they had melanoma." I said, "What is that?" He said, "No, a mole on his head, and it went into his brain." And as he said it, I went cold, thinking, "Shucks!" I woke up with a dot of blood in my pillow, so I went straight from there, phoned the dermatologist, went uh, to have an appointment, and I remember he called me Cowboy. He said, "Hey, Cowboy, this sucker's got to come out," and he cut it out immediately. It was on a Wednesday, and by the Friday, I went back, and he said, "You've got cancer," I'd like changed my world I didn't even know about melanoma so they treated me uh, they threw the book at me and fortunately nothing really resulted I had to have scans I didn't have any major treatment and the problem with skin cancer is that it goes through all the skin layers and gets into your lymphatic system and then it can go anywhere in your body the most likely place for it to land up is in your brain and uh, nothing happened very grateful to God that was 2010 uh, survived cancer there they took many moles out of my body so I wear polar necks at the best of time uh, but that's how I live very grateful 2017 I was playing cricket with my boys someone phoned me I answered it in my left hand and while I spoke to them the phone fell out of my hand and I thought that's strange and I'd lost like some of the fine motor coordination in my hand and I wondered what that was about I went inside asked my wife is there something wrong with my hand she said you know man flu. I think you're just overreacting that kind of thing and uh, so I, I lay down I went to a meeting at a coffee shop because I really needed to meet this guy after two weeks. And it was one of our worship leaders. And I sat across the table from him. And uh, as he went to go to the bathroom, I could feel I just wasn't right. I had that saliva in my, under my tongue. I felt nauseous. And he came back and I said, hey, dude, I'm not feeling well. And I was shaking on my left-hand side. I was losing control. And, uh, you know, being a good mate, he said to me, don't worry, about you're having a stroke. My dad had one just a few months ago. You'll be okay. <laughs> like, okay good mate that one anyway I got into his in, into his vehicle and we rushed straight to Amplanga hospital my, ha- my head was pounding I was in a really bad way I thought I was having a stroke and um, they put me into a scanning machine and came back and said to me fortunately by now they put medication into me and the, the headache had subsided but they said you've got uh, a, a tumor in your brain and that was quite a change of scenario from playing cricket at half three in three in the afternoon to at six o'clock suddenly they the doctor is a bit pale-faced and saying you've got to go in to see a neurosurgeon uh, so i saw the neurosurgeon he says that's what you have got to do we've got to have a brain op and it's going to be complicated didn't give me too many details just giving you a trick the doctors don't tell you as the patient too much but they tell your family a lot and uh you know it was it was really dark moments for us and i never thought from the friday afternoon that on a tuesday morning i would be in surgery having a brain up so maybe uh, i can take a little pause there and ask this question maybe three questions firstly uh, what comes out of us when we're losing control when you're losing control what comes out of you when you're under pressure what is put on display for all to see and uh, it's amazing when us being rushed to the hospital this was something I couldn't control but I was so grateful for it all that happened to me is I found my prayer language and I just started shouting the name of Jesus I was next to this buddy who seemed like he didn't care for me but you you lose your inhibitions and what's there just comes out uh, I'll be honest with you I am not the most spiritual man at the best of times I told the men last night that sometimes I don't cover myself in glory but i was so grateful that in my Most pressurized moment what came out of me was the the name of jesus what comes out of you what happens to our relationships that's the second uh, question to us so friday night i'm diagnosed go through the whole of that night saturday morning my younger brother arrives and uh, i'm in icu now and he 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 flops over the bed and we don't we shake hands we don't really embrace He flops over the bed and he says, I've been awake the whole night and I I just want to declare my love for you. And for about an hour, he just weeps and weeps and weeps and just declares his love for me. And uh, we had a bit of time to be able to do that. And the thing that I want to say today is some of us need to write our relationships while the day is still light. We can't wait till, you know, night time comes some of us are, you don't wait for the eventuality to take place you have got broken relationships and you're here today to maybe hear that make right life isn't fair and even if someone doesn't reciprocate you do your bit. and then the third thing that's a question is what happens to our peace when you're under pressure and losing control what happens to your peace and uh, I've had the most amazing journey of fighting cancer I'm in the clear now which is amazing but Uh, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemies, I've told some of you, but I also wouldn't trade it for the world. But if you had to ask me, have you always been peaceful and has there been no fear? There there was one night where I lost my peace completely. I lost my nerve. And it was on the Monday night before I went in for an op. Uh, They're going to open my head. And you just never frame it to be part of your life, to go in for a major brain op. And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, do I redo my will? Do I write a letter to my wife to say goodbye? What do I say to my boys? Now they were, I think, seven, uh, probably eight, six, and five at the time. And I, I completely lost my peace. I was trying to scramble. I'm in ask you The lights are out. I didn't know what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I, at that moment, I just felt like God said to me, it was like this gentle whisper that you can't control what you can't control. Just trust me. And it was like the peace of God. It was like a, a dew that came from heaven over my mind. And it just guarded me and protected me in that moment. And I slept like a well-behaved baby that night. Not like an average baby. How's that? So maybe you just have a look at um, one or two pictures which I can take you through. Uh, that's the picture of when I, I was just about to go into ICU then. So I looked dashing, but I had uh, brain cancer. Uh, those are three boys. Back then, Justine looks exactly the same. How's that? Uh, that was a picture earlier this year. That's, it was then and now. You can see my oldest son there. He's taller than me now. Um, he's 15. Then the next uh, picture, if I can show you. That was me coming out of my brain op. I a <laughs> serious post-traumatic stress disorder happening for many of us right now. What happens when you lose control, Craig? Did you? My word. So that was in ICU. Um, that's that's a picture of my brain. They sent it to me. As you can see on the left-hand bottom section there, there's a, there's a gap there. And um, the doctor said it will fill up. I always say to you guys, I wonder whether it was there before or, or after. But uh, we'll never know. Uh, maybe the next uh, picture. That was a picture. So what they do with the op, they actually cut the, the skin in a horseshoe shape they drag it down and then they use like a, an angle grinder to take the bone out and then they work in your in your brain this picture i love because I, i'm a cricket fanatic and as they're taking the the dressing off i say to him how many staples we got here and so she counts all the way around and she says 49 i'm like there's one short of my half century there that was most disappointing um yeah so that's that's just a few pictures there um this was my trouble you can take it off there. thanks this was my trouble they took the the tumor out of my brain, but because of the nature of the cancer, they then had to have a look at where it it had traveled to. And they did a PET scan, and it had gone all over. And so that was a really dark day for us. And they had one or two treatment options. There would have been side effects. And the other option was to get onto a clinical trial, which was, uh, if if we were just a few weeks earlier, there were options, but the trial had just closed in South Africa. So we were really up a dead-end street what I want to do uh, very quickly is maybe just take us to uh, a scripture in the Bible. It's in Daniel chapter 3. If you've got your Bible with you, I'm just going to anchor what I'm going to share out of there. It's Daniel chapter 3. It talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, They were three friends of Daniel. They'd been sent as exiles into a foreign land, and they'd got huge favor with the, the government there, and they'd been promoted. So they'd been given influence and it was a wonderful thing but suddenly what happens they realize they're in the wrong place at the wrong time and a classic case of xenophobia breaks out against them and they have to either give in to the the pressures of the day or they've got to stand for their convictions i want to challenge all of us again what do you believe what do you believe about life what do you believe about god uh, what comes out of you when you under that pressure and so the thing that they were commanded to do was to bow down to this idol that had been built. With the rest of society, it wasn't a suggestion; it was a command. And so, what then? Th- that was their case of losing control in the moment, and they decide to stick to their convictions. The punishment for not bowing down was that you'd be thrown into a fiery furnace. Y- you may know the story very well, and um, th- that's not great. That's like death sentence over your life. And they decide actually we believe in god we trust him more than we trust in the king and so they stand when everyone else is bowing down it takes a lot of courage i think we live in a society today where there are things that we've got to stand on when everyone else is bowing down and there are also things that we need to bow down to like jesus christ himself where everyone else is doing their own thing and so they choose to to stand Uh, the king is infuriated by this he increases the temperature of the fire seven times hotter. And then he throws them into the fire. And if you know the story, three men go into the fire, but they see a fourth man there. uh, That's Jesus himself. And so what is God's plan when we're losing control? I'll read the scripture. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I've got four points I want to make today. The first one is this. God looks after us in the process whatever process you're in and the process i was in i had to come to this realization that god actually looks after me Uh, we can feel like he's inflicting it upon me but god wants to look after us in this process Uh, we may not understand the details but we do trust his process he's able Um, this is what happened in my life i realized looking back that actually god had been setting me up in a sense for what was about to happen and how you understand that theologically some of it i don't fully grasp and comprehend but just before in 2017 i had that brain tumor arrive we had a break-in on our house and it happened on the window right next to our door and it was the only night that we ever stayed in that house over four years we closed the door and put the aircon on and they broke in that night when the door was closed it was a gross intrusion of our privacy they stole all the keys off the key ring they they stole our car and very polite criminals they closed the gate behind them as they left a lady comes to us at church not knowing what was going to transpire and she says this i feel like god's saying is that you you will come under attack but nothing will harm you you'll come under attack and nothing will harm you she never knew that this is what was about to transpire Uh, maybe bring us to that fifth picture um maybe difficult to see but that was our house uh, I got sent this about two days before I had this brain tumor. Quite incredible uh, picture. This. When I got the picture, it was from a a bloke that was not a churchgoer per se. He didn't have a faith in Jesus Christ, but he had stopped on the side of the road. And if you look closely, there's a rainbow over the house. Can you see that? When I got the picture, all I saw was my open gate, and thought my wife forgot to close the gate how we are as blokes sometimes. So hey? uh, he didn't send it with any meaning behind. He said, "Oh, by the way, I, I stopped outside your house six hours ago, and I uh, took a photo of the rainbow. I thought I'd send it to you." As I'm lying in my bed in hospital and I see you, fearing for my life, I suddenly remember this man sent me a photo. I go back to it, and as I look at it, I just feel God drop into my heart, even though. The perimeter of your property, of your household is vulnerable. I will protect you. And that rainbow, it's a, it's a picture of God's covenant protection over his people. And uh, if you followed my story at all, the rainbow has been a very significant part of, of my story. This is what happened the day before I went into ICU and was diagnosed with this brain tumor. Coincidence or the Lord? A man phones me and he says, your, your, my, your, you've been flashing through my mind. And I can't get you out of my mind. And this is what I felt God saying to you. He says, hi Mark, you are on the Lord's heart. I see you walking closely with Jesus as he pursues a deep friendship and relationship with you. He will reveal things to you as with a friend as he did with Moses. He sends that word to me the day before I go into hospital. God punishing me or God wants to walk with me. And the thing that amazed me about my process is that from the day I arrived in hospital, it felt like I was in a bubble of God's love and his provision I worship from day dot till the end. Most incredible thing. That's what David says in Psalm 23. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I want to suggest this to us today. I would rather be in the valley walking with Christ than on the mountaintop, self-made and all by myself. Point number two, God uses people to demonstrate love so often we're saying hey lord where are you and there are people around us that he wants to put into our economy to help us through to show his love there's a man that arrived at our door at that gate it was closed this night myself and justine was just off to my up. we were very weak and downcast and uh, suddenly we hear in our front door this man walks in with another guy and they are just loud and over the top they're doing their thing I'm like, who on earth is this guy? I was in bed in my pajamas. Justine was in her pajamas. It was like quite bizarre. And um, you kind of had to dress up, get outside there. And I see it's a pastor from another city in Pretoria. And he heard about my story and he had just come. Didn't make an appointment, just arrived at my gate. And my sons, they looked, they thought it was another guy driving a polo and they just opened the gates and the man came in. And as he arrived, he just gave my wife thousands of rands in her hand. He says, God wants to show you that he's going to provide for you. And then he sat on a couch with me and he read a scripture to me. And we wept together for 10 minutes and out he went. God uses people to demonstrate his love to you. He didn't have the cure, but he showed his love. Uh, Another time, I went up to Pretoria. Now we're trying to get onto this clinical trial. And hope is waning because my doctor had said to me, I've never... Spend more than two weeks waiting for the cure before I've got someone onto treatment. We were into month three and month four already, and the tumours were getting bigger and bigger. And it wasn't great, and I go up to Pretoria to go and have a consult with a the doctor there, and I have breakfast with the same pastor, and he says, "I, I read in my devotion this morning, random reading. He says I, I didn't go looking for this, but I just this was my reading this morning. The scripture. I want to read it for you." He reads this he says psalm 12 verse 5 to 6 it says i will now rise says the lord i will protect them from those who malign them and the words of the lord are flawless like silver like gold and he read it to me and i thought Geez, that's great now people are always coming with encouraging things they give you marijuana drops they give you scriptures they give you encouragement they give you the whole lot you know he says no I, do, do you understand what that that means he said let me read it for you again and he read this he says i will now rise says the lord I will protect them from those malignant enemies that come against them. That word malign, it's a root word for malignant. I read that on his, on his day. God uses people to show his love. When I eventually got onto this trial, my first immunotherapy sessions, I, w- I walked in there as a 37-year-old man with a bunch of older people around me. Again, I never had it in my frame to be treated for cancer. I was very nervous. There was an old gentleman there. He was about 72 years old. He got treated. He was positive, full of the joy of spring. He comes past my chair and he says to me, I've been coming to this place for 20 years and the Lord has never let me down. Out he walked. Still don't know who that man was. Felt like he was an angel that God gave me. God uses people to demonstrate his love to us. When I had, I I shared this with the men last night. (laughs) I got diagnosed with cancer for a third time last year in March, three brain tumors. And I was so despondent because the previous treatment I was on i've built up a resistance to it a resistance to it and so now there was only new look treatment that they've got very little data on and uh it's very expensive but uh, i'm treated uh, sorry i'm diagnosed in march and i go to the scriptures and i begin to read i feel god say to me read the book of mark it's a book of miracles because actually that's all i can trust for now is an absolute miracle from god and i read mark chapter one and i get into mark chapter two and Mark chapter 2 is about a paralyzed man who has four friends. They take him to Jesus and they put him through the roof. And as I read it, uh, my heart resonates with the scripture. I feel like God's saying to me, you're the paralyzed man. Make sure you've got four friends around you. And I knew exactly who the friends were. It was this guy, it was this guy, it was this guy, it was this guy. So I got hold of them and I said, hey, listen, chaps, this is what I read. Would you guys mind uh, coming around me? I've got decisions to make. Uh, I don't know what my future holds, but I need four friends. And they said, "All oh, thumbs up, let's go. Three, mon- three months later i had this near seizure experience my, my health was just waning in a big way and one of them put his hand up and he said this is not gonna end well we've got to step in and these four friends they put together a crowdfunding campaign in eight days they raised two and a half million rand for my treatment i started treatment very shortly thereafter and i stand here today because of those four friends god uses people to demonstrate his love Uh, the third point i want to make is this is that he may delay god but he's never late see when i think of shadrach meshach and abednego i think of these men it says that they were bound up and they were then thrown into the fire and that fire was particularly hot the gods were dying around the heat i wonder what went through their mind as they were bound up maybe hand and foot and they were hopping their way toward the fire thinking we trust you god god is able he's going to do this thing for us and we've stood for him god God won't let us down (laughs) and they're hopping their way toward the fire when you come in god is it now like really it's getting close uh you know come on and they get closer and closer and he just doesn't come through he just doesn't arrive on time and they end up in the fire and this is the profoundity of this whole story is that they end up in the fire and they meet jesus in the fire they wanted him outside of the fire but they meet him in the fire and i asked the question why is it that god allowed these men into the fire i think maybe some of it had to do with the fact that the king needed to stop hearing what shadrach Meshach, and abednego had to say and he had to see jesus because the other side of the king seeing Jesus is that he completely changed the law of the land. He said, the God that we've been serving, no longer. These guys, God, we should bow down and worship him. And so God has a perfect timing. He may delay, but it's never late. And I want to encourage you today, whatever suffering looks like for you, whatever your fire looks like, even if you're bobbing your way toward the fire, you say, God, you've got to come through for me. Even if you end up in the fire, I want to encourage you, don't give up. He is possibly and probably in the fire there to stand with you. This is what happened to me. The most incredible story around timing. Uh, First of September is a very, it's a very meaningful day for myself and Justine. It was the day that we first started dating. It's the first day of spring. It was the day that we moved down to Durban to start our church. And it just happened to be that way. And the doctor had been saying to me, listen, we're waiting for this clinical trial to open up, but you know, you can't just keep, Flagging in your health. We've got to do something. What are you going to do? And you know, I was taking it quite seriously for the sake of my family and our future. And I was in my room the one day the family was out, and I was looking out over the ocean and praying. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I mean, I don't even know about cancer. It's such a new world, this for me. And as I'm praying, I realized it's the first of September. We dated for 40 days and then we got engaged. If you single out there don't follow that that's not a prescription it's a description okay but we'd known each other for many years Uh, and it's the first of september i'm praying i'm like god please speak to me and i i just think of this period of time 40 days and just faith rises in my heart i say, lord if i'm eating cheese here you got to stop me and uh i say to justine i feel like i need to wait another 40 days to see if something opens up she says well what can i say so I phoned the doctor. I said to him, this is what I feel. We need to wait another 40 days. And the amazing thing about this doctor, he, was, he had become a friend of mine because of another friend who had recommended him. But God uses people. And so he understood my process. And so there it was. He says, well, what's the date? So I said, 1st of September, 40 days, it's the 10th or 11th of, of October. So he puts down an appointment. He says, on that day, you're going to have to have a scan and come in and see me for an appointment. I said, Fine. So the first 10 days it was fine. Next 10 days was okay. And in that time, I, I really felt that God encouraged me live your life, boy. Don't hang back and just wait for, just go and live. You only live once kind of mentality. Uh, there's a scripture that says, I said before you life and death, choose life. And that was my conviction. Just choose life. I was weak. I just had a brain up And Someone, uh, in fact, Grant Crawford, he preached here a few months ago, or a few weeks ago. Um, we decided, let's go and do the Fish River Canoe Marathon together, you paddlers. And uh, I mean, I couldn't even run to the start properly. And I said, yes, let's do it. If we die, cool, get to see Jesus. But um, I've got a life-threatening disease anyway. And so we go down to Craddock uh, in the Eastern Cape. And while we're driving down, there, it's day 37, 38. And Grant says to me, he says, you know, this lady, Jan Hart Brown, she's got the same cancer as you. And she's just got onto a trial. And so I said, Oh, didn't know that. This lady Jan Howard Brown, I'd house sat to her house twenty years before in Peter Marisburg. Coincidence. So we do the, the canoe marathon and as I'm back in my hometown, I'm sitting on my bed Sunday night, it's day thirty nine. I'm about to see sorry, day thirty eight. I'm about to see the, the doctor the next day. I think, let me just get hold of this lady. She says, I'm going to see the doctor tomorrow let me find out she sends me a message back the next day on day 39 she says you won't believe it the trial has opened uh, but get your doctor to get hold of my doctor so she sends me the details I forwarded on to my doctor day 40 I sit in my doctor's rooms I've had my cancer scan we sit there he's not too taken by all the background stuff he's just been looking at the data Uh, we sit there he says to me he says I got bad news for you I said what he says the cancer's more than doubled in your body and Justine is weeping she's crying her eyes out and i said yeah okay that's cool but tell me that doctor that i sent you the details what's happened there he said i've been trying to phone her for 24 hours but nothing's happened so i said well would you mind phoning her again right now he phones her she answers the phone and i hear them speaking and she says how soon can he come down he looks at me says when can he go down so i'll leave right now day 40 friends the trial opens up i'm on a plane i go down to cape Town. And i get onto a trial three months later the tumors are shrinking and are going to remission he may delay but he's never late again i don't want to prescribe that's how you've got to do things but i think when we tap into the heart of god he loves to speak to his children whisper things he may delay but he's never late and just the last point uh, even if he doesn't he has an ultimate plan this is what it says in verse 18 But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. This is what I've had to wrestle through on my faith journey, is that what if God doesn't heal me? What if God doesn't come through for me? And I've kind of thrown three lines in the water as I've prayed for healing. The one line has been the sovereignty of God that says, actually, there's some... Unanswered questions that I can't reconcile, and if it's my time, it's my time. The other line that I've thrown in the waters is, is the li- line of science. God has gifted some amazing people, and I am their biggest fans because I've been on the end of new data, a clinical trial in 2017 that's now mainstream. I've then had new treatment that has helped me this time around. I, I, I get behind those guys and applaud them. God's given them incredible minds the third line in the water is one of of supernatural healing trusting god to heal you and i think that's a balanced view to have all three of those lines in the water and say lord whatever you choose and however you you come through for me i trust you this is the honest truth about healing is all healing is temporary ultimately at one day at one stage our time is going to run out and uh, we're going to enter into eternity if your life is not right with christ uh, this is going to be the tragedy of your life is that all of those days that have passed you might have lived the greatest life but you'll you'll realize that eternity is so real and and heaven's not for you we had the privilege last night of praying for a, a gentleman who has been one of craig's friends since he was five years old and they've been praying for him for they're the same age how old are you now 40 47, <laughs> 47. <laughs> 38 so let's say the better part of 30 years they've been praying for this gent and last night he responded to Christ, and that's amazing. Uh, he made a good decision for his eternity, and not just his now. And so, all healing is tempor- temporary, but actually eternity is forever. Now this is what I I've learned and been challenged on. Uh, my my dad understood this. Uh, we buried my mom early on. I was twenty. My sisters were in their teenage years. My we five children, but we went to her funeral, and all five children. Uh, spoke and we prepared wonderful speeches and it was quite long there were a few thousand people there were maybe multiple hundreds that were there and in my mind I thought to myself I I wonder what my dad's gonna say because we've lost a mother but he's lost his wife and it had been tragic how she died and once all the speeches had been done my dad went up and he hadn't even prepared a speech it was just something in his heart and he went to the, the coffin there was a coffin there and he just took the microphone and off the flower arrangement he he picked a rose up and he said today God picked his favorite rose and then he sat down again. I like to say that's a man that has a, a a high view of God and a wonderful view of eternity and uh, whatever suffering does to you however you find yourself I've shared a, a wonderful story uh, of God coming through three times for me. This is the reality of where I live, is that uh, I'm in that space now. Every three months, six months, you go for scans, and it's it's a journey of faith. Your journey of faith is something different. Uh, But I want to encourage you, learn from the the journey of Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. Stand above all else. Trust God. Even if it means that you end up in the fire, he'll meet you there. And even if he doesn't, he's worth giving your life for. Let's stand up. sorry that i've taken a few minutes over time but i'd love to just pray for us if that's right craig let's just respond for a moment if we can bow our heads uh, i'd like to just pray for two groups of people today the first is is that group it might be a minority group just a handful of people if you've come here today you've come to a first year birthday celebration i've seen some people that you know you've been invited by a friend but you've arrived here today and you've realized actually i'm like Craig's friend last night that has maybe held out out on taking a step of faith toward Christ. You don't have to have it all worked out. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't follow uh, your good works, your good deeds. You don't need to be a new person before you take a step toward Christ. Uh, He changes you from the inside out. And if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith, I'd like to give you an opportunity now, just while our heads are bowed, Uh, Would you mind waving at me and saying, Mark, that's me? It would be my greatest privilege to pray for you. If there is anyone like that, just one or two, a handful, it would be wonderful to pray for you. I won't call you to the front, but I'd love to pray for you. Anyone like that? Well done. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down there. Anyone else? Well done, young man. Well done. Hold well on anyone else I'll just wait one or two more moments hold well on hold well on man thank you anyone else just a uh, five more seconds it's wonderful to see people making good decisions for the eternity okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you uh, if you've responded I'm gonna ask the church just to join me in faith here yeah? you don't need to pray with me but if you've put your hand up follow me praying this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing me to this place today. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to put my trust in you today, Jesus. Please come and save me. Give me a new spirit. Change me the inside out i give my life to you today in jesus name just if you've prayed that prayer and one of the most important things that you can do is share it with a friend or with a leader and say i prayed that prayer today but to understand this is that you're born into a family yeah, or into a nursery like this where you need to now grow and so it'd be wonderful to be able to spend some time with you afterwards but can we just encourage those guys that have prayed that prayer it takes a lot of Courage and faith. Let's give them a hand. It's, it's wonderful. And then just for the, for the rest of us, if you uh, are facing something in the form of suffering, we have prayed for it uh, during worship, but um, I'd love to just pray for you from my vantage point. Uh, maybe you might be comfortable to raise your hands or just respond in this moment to him. Thank you, Lord, that when we look at the Bible, we get such courage knowing that Uh, you interact with your people you're not distant you walk with them and I thank you for the shadow of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that give us courage in this day and age but I pray for people here that are struggling with healing issues Lord that need supernatural healing that need your touch from heaven if that's you today just reach out to heaven in this moment but I pray that you'd come upon them that you'd supernaturally heal them Lord come upon them and Set them free. Thank you that, Lord, by your stripes we healed. You went to the cross so that we could be physically healed. I pray that upon people in this place. I pray for people that are facing situations and approaching the fire and they don't know how and where and what. It feels like they're needing to bow down to the wrong things. But I pray that you'd surge through their veins with courage today, Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Craig. Uh, thank you so much, uh Mark and Justine. So